Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. And this is your sneak peek for the first week of arguments in the October 2022 term, or OT22, as we call it. Those arguments kick off, as always, on the first Monday in October. And you don't need to take our word for it, because we just learned this week that the court will keep live streaming audio. So if you're wondering which long-standing precedent or laws might fall this term, you can tune in live from the court's website and hear that all develop in real time. Yeah, Jordan, I will note a couple of things, though, about the Supreme Court's announcement. They did confirm that the courtroom will be open uh, for arguments, but that the building is otherwise going to be closed. So you can't go in and see the spiral staircase. Um, So sorry about that. Uh, You can, however, stand in line for hours and listen to the justices ask questions. And they didn't give any justification for why the building's staying closed, right? They did not. The other thing to note about the announcement was that it said that live streaming will continue this term. So we know that we're going to be getting live streaming through April, but we're still in the dark about whether or not this is going to be a long term uh, thing at the Supreme Court. But we'll see. Uh, The court will post that link on its website and also, you know, makes that argument available through, you know, after the arguments, too. So a win for transparency, at least temporarily. So let's give a sneak peek of what those arguments will be. Kimberly, this is going to be a short week to kick it off, just hearing arguments on Monday and Tuesday with Yom Kippur on Wednesday. But there are some important ones in this first week. You want to kick us off for Monday? Jordan, they're all important. They're Supreme Court cases. I'm going to say that every week, but we don't know that yet. (laughs) Right. So first off is a pretty big case, Sackett versus EPA. Um, It's going to be the first case to kick off 2022. And at issue is what the test is for determining whether something is considered a navigable water under the WOTUS rule or the Waters of the U.S. rule. I love that that name. And, you know, that requires uh, certain protections under the Clean Water Act, including, you know, protections against pollution, permit requirements, things like that. Uh, So this has been a long running dispute between the EPA and the Sackett family who have been trying to build a home on their Idaho property since 2007. Uh, The court has addressed the WOTUS rule before, but it really hasn't done itself any favors uh, because in 2006, the court sort of answered the question, but didn't give a majority opinion. So there was a plurality, a Kennedy concurrence, and then a dissent. And I think really after that case, what we've seen are lower courts really coalesce around Kennedy's concurring opinion. So the Kennedy test really really requires that there be this, quote, significant nexus between a traditional navigable water and, you know, the lands that you're looking at here. It's wetlands. So we're talking about a Kennedy concurrence anyway, and he was kind of doing his own muddled thing there for a while, splitting the difference between people. Now that he's gone, is that even going to matter? Are we just going to be writing on a clean slate anyway? Well, this all goes back to, you know, sort of the question about how should lower courts look at cases where there isn't a majority opinion? You know, do you take the plurality opinion? What about if the concurrence that gave them, you know, kind of the deciding vote actually matches up more with the dissenters? The Um, Marx rule. Yeah, right. So um, this lives in that world 
as I said, you know, the lower courts have really coalesced around this significant nexus test. Um, and so here, what we're looking at is wetlands that are just 30 feet from the property that the Sackets want to build their house on, but it's separated by a road. And so the question here is whether or not that barrier is enough to take that property um, out of like the category of wetlands that can be protected under the Clean Water Act. And, you know, the U.S. says that wetlands are an important part of water quality and that, you know, undoing this test and providing kind of a narrower test uh, for the Clean Water Act to kind of do its work would significantly harm water quality in rivers and lakes. So that's where we're at with Sackett. Uh, And then we've got a big money grand case coming up on Monday. That's right. We got a little state-on-state action or wow, that sounds, an original jurisdiction case, <laughs> as it's more boringly called. It's Delaware versus a bunch of other states, and it's a long-running multi-million dollar dispute over unclaimed MoneyGram financial instruments. The question is which state the unclaimed property should go to, or for a much nerdier way to put it, which state can escheat certain categories of unclaimed financial instruments. I love escheat. That's my favorite word from law school. Is it escheat or escheat? Oh, it's a sheet, isn't it? Is it? I thought it was a sheet, but I don't know. So, MoneyGram is incorporated in Delaware, but the instruments were purchased in other states. The answer to which side wins will turn on how the justices classify the instruments. A special master sided with the other states and former Solicitor General and, more importantly, former Cases and Controversies guest Neil Katyal is going to try and convince the court to rule for Delaware. So we'll see how he does on Monday. And then we go over to Tuesday, which will kick off with a big voting rights case, Merrill versus Milligan. Uh, This one is out of Alabama and involves Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which took on renewed significance after Shelby County, which did away with preclearance. And now plaintiffs have to rely almost exclusively on Section 2, um, which only comes in after a law has taken effect. So here, the laws that we're dealing with are redistricting. And in particular, Alabama, in its latest round of redistricting, kept just one majority black district. And the plaintiffs here say that the state should have set up two majority black districts. A special three-judge district court panel unanimously agreed. uh, And that unanimous panel included two Trump judges who said the law was clear here um, that Alabama did, in fact, have to draw a second majority minority district. So that seems like that should have wrapped it all up, right? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, this case actually came to the Supreme Court on an emergency basis back in February. And in a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court said that the old maps would stay in place while the Supreme Court kind of considers this case. You know, this is um, in these redistricting cases. It's unlike the other cases where if they say, yeah, we're not going to hear your case, it doesn't really mean anything about Mm -hmm. the law. You know, it's the lower court ruling stands, but it's binding only in that circuit. In these redistricting cases, that's not true. So these come up. And if the Supreme Court just affirms, then that becomes binding everywhere. So the court seems more likely to take these cases. And that's what it did in this emergency um, application. It said, okay, you know, we're going to put these on hold and we're just going to add it to um, to the calendar. But I said it was 5-4. And I think we get a lot of hints about how the justices are thinking about this case. So um, the reason that the majority said that they were putting the law, the you know, old maps in place was um, under this so-called Purcell principle, where you can't change the laws in an election 
you know, very close to uh, the election itself because of the confusion it will cause among voters and among candidates and just general chaos, I guess, that would happen. But I say that the ruling was five to four because Chief Justice Roberts joined his more liberal colleagues in this case. Now, he is a fan of the Purcell principle, uh, but he said here that the current law under Section 2 was so clear that Alabama really had no business um, not creating the second uh, majority black district. And so, you know, they, they should allow or they should require the state to redraw these maps for the 2022 elections. That did not win the day, but there's some some important clues in here. Um, most notably, Chief Justice Roberts says that, yeah, Section 2, as it currently exists, is really, really clear. Um, but, you know, we're the Supreme Court. We can change some stuff up. So it seems like there may be some changes coming here. I will add that there was some interesting um, opinions by Kavanaugh and Alito, who were both in the majority in that stay application, um, which said that the, the case was actually really close, sort of suggested it's like 50-50. Um, so that's how we're going into this case. But of course, um, you know, Jordan, you and I talked about this before we before we headed into this podcast and we thought, you know, you got to look at this case in context of all the other cases that they're hearing this term where race really plays a big role in some of the major consequential cases. Yeah, you mentioned the Shelby County case. And I think my working assumption going into this Alabama case is I presume that the lineup is going to be the same as it was in that case, accounting for whatever changes in personnel since then until we see otherwise. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, I do think that the Chief Justice's dissent in the stay application is interesting, you know, but he did note like, yeah, great. It's all well and good. That's the law now. But Supreme is in our name for a reason. Right. I remember there being some recent changes last term (laughs) to some longstanding things. So, Right. I think the only other thing that I find Well, not the only other thing, but one other thing that I wanted to note here that's really interesting is that the court has been really, really clear that proportionality is not required in redistricting. Um, But Alabama almost perfectly maps out. So it has seven congressional districts and the the black population in the state is about two sevenths um, of the population. And so um, it really does create this stark difference between having just the one uh, majority black district versus two. And I was chatting with the attorney who's going to be arguing the case for some of the uh, challengers here. And he was saying you can really see that difference in something like the bipartisan infrastructure bill where six of the seven delegates voted against the bill and only the representative from the majority black district voted for it. And that's a bill that's going to bring a lot of really needed and necessary resources to the state, particularly um, in those districts. So that's where we are in this case. And then the last case of the week, Jordan, bring us home. All right, let's go home. So the second case on Tuesday and the last case of this short week involves military disability benefits in Arlano against McDonough. The question here is whether the one-year deadline for veterans to submit claims after their discharge can be extended for good cause. So service-disabled veterans have a year to file for benefits retroactive to their discharge date. And the issue is whether that one-year filing time can be equitably told. The Federal Circuit ruled against Navy veteran Adolfo Arlano in a divided opinion that he's appealing to the justices. And Kimberly, fun fact on this one, the lawyer arguing the case is a Navy veteran himself, James Barney. Awesome. I feel like there have been a lot of these um, VA cases at the court recently. 
Yeah, it always seems like we're talking about one happening just kind of in the background while everything else is going on, too. And so this is the latest one of those that we'll be watching. All right. Well, uh, as we mentioned at the top, Wednesday is a holiday, so the Supreme Court will not be sitting. Uh, We will do a sneak peek next week of the second week of arguments. Um, Until then, though, you can follow along with all the latest Supreme Court news including Justice Jackson's investiture, which will happen Friday, September 30th. You can follow that on news.bloomberglaw.com. Thanks for listening. Have you ever thought to yourself, how is that legal? Why is that legal? Have you ever seen a big trial in the news and wondered, what's really happening there? Have you ever pondered the question, why are lawyers the way that they are? And how much money do they really make anyway? These are the things we live and breathe over at On the Merits, Bloomberg Law's weekly legal news podcast. On the Merits looks into the biggest stories playing out in the legal industry right now, and we feature the finest journalists covering the biggest legal stories from across the Bloomberg Law newsroom. You can hear it wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.